Good morning, Westside. Our text is Acts 2, 37 through 47. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise... For the promise for you and for your children and for all who are off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added day about, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord, added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, Westside. We're glad that you're here today as we continue in part two of our vision series called Extraordinary Times. And if it's your first time here, this is your first Sunday um, in this series, we would advise you to, you can go to our website and sort of check out last week as we launched this vision series. And basically what we said was, is we take some time as a family and as a church family, um, this time every year, to sort of look at who we are as a church, our DNA, what are we about, what are our core values. And we look back to see all the wonderful things that God has done, and we look forward in anticipation with God's word in our hand and his spirit in our hearts, begging and asking asking God to do something extraordinary for the future. And what we said was, is these are extraordinary times in which we live in. But also, in order to gauge us and guide us in these extraordinary times, we've said that there is really, in the book of Acts, we see the birth of the church as we know it, the big C church, the global church of Jesus Christ. And they lived in extraordinary times. And we said that what we're going to do is over these next couple of weeks is we're just going to take a 30,000 foot view at the book of Acts and we're going to pull out some words that are going to guide us for this 2019, 2020 year for us as a church. And last week, um, um, the word, what was the first word that we did last week, um, right? Like I wish we had some signs that lit up or something, right? Um, yeah, we said glorify, right? We said that the point of Westside is to point to Jesus. That's it. The point of your life is to point to Jesus. That's, that's the whole point of everything. And, and we saw that Jesus' commission to the disciples was, hey, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses, that you will point back to me and you will continue in my works. We said that the words of Jesus and the works of Jesus are the priorities of the church and the power that we have to have comes from the Holy Spirit. And this week, as as we look at um, our second word, which is grow, and we looked at Acts chapter 2, what's interesting is is Jesus knew what would take place. So Jesus knew that, um, well, actually, these are his own words here in John chapter 12. He says this, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. 
And he said this to show what type of death he was going to die. So, I mean, there's glorify and grow right there. Jesus said that when this takes place and and my work goes down and whenever I'm lifted up in the crucifixion, but not just in the crucifixion, but when I'm also lifted up in your life and when a community of believers come together and glorify and point to me, there's going to be an effect. And the effect is is that that people will be drawn to, to this news and so when being a young pastor, I just always thought that that, that, that was the point, right? Grow, grow, grow. That's the, that's the whole point of the church is to grow, is to grow, is to grow. You got to grow. You need to grow. You go to conferences called Grow. You read books called How to Grow, and it's just grow. It's just everything's grow all the time, right? And things have changed the more that I pastor and the more that I read the scriptures and Maybe this will be a helpful sort of introduction for the word grow today as we look at extraordinary times. I've mentioned his name before, but he was born February 22nd, 1918 in Alton, Illinois. Um, his name's Robert Wadlow, right? This is a picture of Robert Wadlow when he was born. Robert Wadlow is by far on record the undisputed um, tallest man to have ever lived. So the reason why he's undisputed is because we have all of this evidence of, of, of him growing up and all of these statistics and everything. When he was born on February 22nd, normal weight, normal height, normal everything, um, until Robert began to walk, and Robert weighed in at 45 pounds, um, when he began to walk, right? I said that to Tyler this week, and he said, could you imagine him learning to walk and, like, falling into the dining room table and shattering it, right? Like, I mean, it's just unbelievable. So then he begins to grow and to grow, and by eight years old, eight years old, Robert is six feet, 180 pounds. When Robert is 13, teenage years, Robert is seven feet, four inches, 270 pounds. On June 27th, 1940, Robert Wadlow passed away at the young age of 22. And when Robert passed away, Robert Wadlow was 8 feet, 11 inches, 439 pounds. Robert never stopped growing, ever. And when he passed away, his body was donated to science because, um, hello, right? I mean, 8 feet 11 inches, 439 pounds. And when they began to examine Robert's brain, they found a tumor on his pituitary gland. And the scientific term is hyperlalia, which is a tumor on the pituitary gland that pumps out about four times the amount of human growth hormones which is why Robert never stopped growing. Now, Robert was growing, 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 and dying. Dying. Do you know what my great fear of Westside is? Is that Westside would be Robert Wadlow. You see, because growing doesn't mean healthy. So, so th- I mean, like with our kids, right? This isn't what we do with our kids is, is, is we don't, you know, put programs together and do all of these things and then yell at them to grow, right? What, what do we do? Well, well, the word is not just grow, though that is a byproduct of the gospel. It's, well, 
I'll let um, another pastor say it this way. The object should never be just church growth, but church health. Because growth must proceed from health. So when we look at Acts chapter 2, what I see is not just a growing church, but what I see is also sort of this snapshot of a healthy church. So the big idea today for this understanding of grow and for a word to anchor us in 2019 and 2020 is this. Church growth must come from church health. That is the goal that we would have as a body of believers at Westside is not just grow and grow and grow and grow because listen, look up here, don't miss this. A tumor is a growth. I said that to a young pastor who called and was like, man, you guys are growing at Westside and that's awesome. And I was like, yeah, but a tumor's a growth. And I was like, are you there? Like, he was like, yeah, I just don't. I don't understand what you're saying. And then just kind of said, man, man, this is where just the Lord and, and through his word is just sort of leading me as a pastor of a local church is, yes, growth, but, but health. Health must precede growth. And just the way that a child grows is a byproduct of a healthy environment, of, of the environment, of a diet, of all of those type of things. So when I look at Acts chapter 2, what I see is, is sort of five marks of what it means to grow healthy, right? It's growing healthy. It's not just health and it's not just growth, but, but these things go together. And, and the first mark that we see is this, is that they are growing healthy theologically. Growing healthy theologically. The word theology just simply means the study of God. That's what the word theology means, right? And listen, look up here. Everybody always says, ah, oh, we don't need to worry about theology. But listen, everyone's a theologian. Some of us are just real bad ones, right? It's a study of God. And in Acts 2.42, um, it's sort of a summary, if you will. And it says this, and they devoted themselves. Um, if you have your Bible or in your neighbor's Bible, or if you have a fake Bible on your phone, that's fine. We'll let it slide. Underline the word sort of devoted there, circle that. That's an important word. Um, in the original, it literally means to grasp or hold on to tightly. That's important. So, so what follows in the proceedings after the word devoted, we should probably, I don't know, pay attention to, right? And hold on tightly to. And the very first thing is the apostles' teaching. Now, you should have another question. See, listen, here's what I want you to do at Westside. I want you to think and learn critically. Meaning, I want you to ask questions. I don't want you to believe this bald-headed, tattooed preacher. I want you to have your Bible in your hand, okay? So your question should be, well, what did the apostles teach? Glad you asked. Um, let's just go over it on the same page to Peter's sermon, right? He's teaching. He's an apostle. Peter talks about um, Jesus a lot. And you know how Peter teaches Jesus? Um, in verse 16 of Acts chapter 2. But by this was uttered through the prophet Joel. Crazy thought, right? Peter stands up with a Bible passage and he teaches Jesus from an Old Testament Bible passage. That's profound. Do you know what he didn't do? Is he didn't go, summer at the movies. This is how the Avenger, right? I mean, we use all those things for illustrations and that's fine. But his basis, 
His basis for teaching Jesus was the very word of God. And then he teaches, and then I leaned over and I said, look at how seeker-sensitive Peter's message is in verse 40. Acts chapter 2, verse 40. Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Isn't that great? Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And then um, they say, Peter, what should we do after your sermon? And it's really, really sensitive. Peter says this, repent and be baptized, right? So listen, what the apostles taught is what Jesus taught them. And listen, Westside, the great joy of my life is, is to teach the Bible to you. You guys are so hungry. You guys come so ready. Like, like I have five points in my sermon today. And you guys are like, all right, point number one, let's go, let's make it, right? I travel around and speak at all kinds of places. I went to a youth conference, and I was like, all right, guys, I got seven points today, point number one. And they were like, seven points, right? You guys are so ready and eager and willing because, listen to me, we believe that God wrote a book. I mean, we really believe that. We really believe that God has spoken and that it, we don't have to sit around and guess what God is like. But rather we go here in his word. And so listen, as we are asking ourselves these questions and looking at these marks of what it is to grow healthy, here's an application question for you. Am I growing healthy theologically? And here's what's so concerning to me. I know people who've been in church for 50 years and they couldn't recite the Lord's Prayer to you. That, I mean, I mean, that shatters my heart because, because at some point there, there's a responsibility upon us as believers. And, and especially in this day in 2019, you can listen to seminary podcasts for free, like online, like Harvard. I mean, you can do all of that type of stuff, right? It's incredible. And so the question is, am I growing healthy theologically? Is my understanding of God constantly growing? And now listen, this doesn't mean that you have God figured out by any means. As C.S. Lewis said, the more that I grow to know God, the less I know about God. It's that beautiful mystery. And I'll never forget, we were, we were teaching through Daniel um, a little while back through the book of Daniel. And um, one Sunday afternoon, I got a call from Miss Margaret, who's a founding member here at Westside. And she said, hey, I had a quick question. I missed one of your points in the sermon, and, and, I, and I didn't understand everything, and so I have a question. And she was asking about some stuff. and She was 80-plus years old, founding member of Westside, just wrestling with the Bible, man. That Listen, those are the type of people that we are trying and begging God to produce here at Westside. That one of the marks that church growth must come from church health, and the first thing is that they were growing healthy theologically. The second thing is this, that they are growing healthy relationally. Here's the second part, and they devoted, held on tightly, grasped themselves to the apostles' teaching, and then here it is, and the fellowship. The fellowship, right? We know all about that in church, right? That must have included a potluck, right? In the Greek, fellowship means crockpot, right? Right? Um, the, the word fellowship is a massively important word. Um, um, it's koinonia. And it's actually the word that's described of our relationship with Christ. That, that God in Christ has 
koinonia. That's the relationship. It, it is literally sometimes used um, in the scriptures to describe a relationship between a husband and wife. And so it's, it's, it's a deep, deep, intimate relationship. But, but what does that look like? Well, verse 46, glad you asked. Here it is. And day by day, day by day by... Okay, some of you guys came in late. All right, verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Verse 44, jump up, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That's incredible. I mean, that is incredible to see. And one of the primary ways that, that their um, relationship, their coin and need relationship worked is, is, is we see two things. Is we see that they attended the temple together and then they broke bread in their homes. That they gathered and then they scattered Right, And so honestly, I mean, I'm so done with the conversation of like, well, I just don't need to attend the gathering. I can worship the Lord at home with Dr. David Jeremiah on the TV and my cup of coffee. Mm-mm, praise him, right? Okay, that's great sometimes, right? But we even see through the, through the birth of the church that the assembling together that the coming together as one body but many members was essential. And then this love, this koinonia fellowship that's seen through sacrifice and all of those things. What they are doing is this is the fulfillment of the prophecy of what Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 35. He says, and by this, all people will know that you are my disciples by your denomination." Oh, that's not what it says, right? By this, all people will know that you are my disciples by the political party that you vote for and the other party that you bash on Facebook. Okay, let's try it again. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. <laughs> Crazy concept. That a diversity of people would be a unity of people by their common affinity for their love of Jesus Christ. Um, Francis Schaeffer, who had a profound impact on my life, who was a pastor, uses a great analogy and illustration. He says sometimes when factories are going to come into a small community, what they do, and some of you guys know this, it's actually called a pilot plant. And what they do is, if it's a large industrial factory, they'll bring in a small piece of equipment, a pilot piece of equipment, and they will show you what this factory on a larger scale will look like by this pilot plant. And what he said that, that the church of Jesus Christ is, is it's a pilot factory of the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God going to look like? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, in earth, as it is in heaven. What's that going to look like? Well, it's going to look like small communities of believers coming together who have different socioeconomic, political, race backgrounds and all of these things. And they're going to come together and they're going to love one another. And their common relationships are going to be so much tighter than even blood relationships. And what Francis Schaeffer says is, is that when, when the world sees that, when the world sees all of these different types of people coming together, 
then the world's going to go, they have something different. They have something that nobody else has or can produce. And Francis Schaeffer says this, unless people see in our churches not only the preaching of the truth, but the practice of the truth, the practice of love, and the practice of beauty, unless they see the thing that the humanist or the world rightly wants but cannot achieve on a humanist level is able to be practiced in our communities, then let me say this this clearly. They will not listen to us and they should not listen to us unless that love is actually being practiced. But, but, but here's the deal. That's hard. <laughs> you know why? Because we're sinners and we're broken and it's so difficult for us. And I'm learning more and more that I pastor actually it's, it's even so much more difficult because many of us come from environments and our homes that were massively unhealthy relationally. And so when we enter into these larger communities and we're in community groups and things happen, we project what we grew up in on other people. And so now this thing becomes massively difficult. But listen, here's a question that I have. How are you growing healthy relationally as an individual? You because as, as, as I look at this, and, and, and it's not perfect. I mean, we're going to get in a couple weeks. Like, some people died during offering because they were stealing. Right? Let's go back to the early church, man. Right? All right. Let's go. Okay? Right? So it's not perfect, but what I see is people constantly willing to lay down their own selfishness and say, it's all about Jesus in this. They're growing healthy theologically. And then imagine that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Listen, I am weary to my bones about theological discussion with guys on the internet or in churches that are criticizing the bride of Christ and are involved in a local church 0%. Because the love of God that you have above you is measured by the love that you have for the person sitting beside you. Don't tell me how much theology you know and how many books you read when you are not actively loving people in need. That we are growing healthy theologically, but also relationally. But then the third mark is this, growing healthy spiritually. Now, 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 now this is a general term because there's two things here. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and prayers. But then jump down again, verse 46. And day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. There's two different breaking breads. And also later on in the book of Acts, we see that they gather on the first day of the week and they remember the Lord and they break bread. So what we see is when they gather that there are spiritual practices and disciplines. This is where our conviction at Westside, we don't make this mandatory for everybody, but our conviction at Westside is, is that we hold the Lord's table every Sunday, okay? And some people are like, well, that gets routine. You never said that about the offering, okay? All right? All right? And then Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. So question, what are we doing anyway on Sunday? Remembering Jesus. How about we do it the way that he told us to do it, right? And so we see that there's the breaking of bread, there's the Eucharist, and then there is the prayers, okay? In the original language, you can't remove the word the. So, so, so there's a specific thing, and all scholars agree that it's probably the Psalms, the Lord's Prayer, that there's some elements here. Here's what I'm trying to say. 
when we look at the early church's practice of worship in the gathering, listen, it is not observation. It is participation. And our culture is an observing culture. Here's what our goal is not. For you to come in and to sit down and to hear these people sing and to hear these people pray and to do all of that. That's why there's moments in our service where we have you speak. And some of you hate that. Sorry, okay? Because we want you to participate. The word liturgy means the work of the people. That we want you involved in this. And so the question is, how are you growing healthy spiritually? Listen, observe your spiritual life. Is it all dependent and observing on other people and things? Or is there an element of participation in your spiritual walk with Christ? And listen, you know what one of the great marks is? And and what I see here and later on in the book of Hebrews, how am I growing healthy spiritually? Hey, kudos to you guys because you're here today. You're you're here at the gathering. That's great. And you even came to the 9 a.m., right? So you're like, I mean, you're winning this Sunday. This is fantastic, right? And so this is an element that church growth must come from church health. And there's things that we are going to do that are going to keep us tethered. Our emotions are not going to guide us. What we feel like is not going to guide us. And I'm so weary when people come and they give me scenarios and they don't give me scripture. Well, I just feel like, okay, whoop, ah, woof, oh, okay. What we need is we need the word of God to govern our worship to God. And so growing healthy in that aspect of spirituality. And then we see the fourth thing is this, growing healthy emotionally. And this is a big deal. Um, This is our blueprint for us here at the church. If you've gone through the connection class, Acts 42 through 47 is our blueprint. And so a lot of this is repetitious today. But as I studied, I noticed words this week. Look at these words. Verse 43, and awe came upon every, and then that they were generous. And then verse 46, they were glad. Verse 47, praising God. You know what these words are? These are emotional words. And and I'm growing and learning in my understanding. And for the past two years, I've been studying and reading. I've just been really fascinated with emotional health. Because I think for so long in the church, we haven't talked about that, but What's the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. These are emotions. Listen, you do not grow spiritually mature and emotionally immature. That doesn't work that way. And I think the church as a whole has done a massively poor job on explaining what those things are. Because you know what church is a lot like sometimes? Do you remember as a kid growing up, um, show and tell? You remember that in school, right? So I showed a yo-yo one day. Because I was like into yo-yos and stuff, okay? Are you ju- I feel like a little bit of judgment right now, okay? <laughs> all right? Goodness gracious, or I was into yo-yos, all right? And so I was like super fat, and I was ready to do, I was practicing these tricks, and I was like ready to do all this. And do you know what? Do you remember what anybody else showed at show and tell? <laughs> no. Why? Because I'm concerned about what I'm showing, Right? My thing is better than yours, okay? And I don't care about your little cat, Susie, okay, right? All right, I've got a yo-yo here, all right? And oftentimes in church, it's, well, this is my thing. This is mine. 
I understand what you're saying, Pastor. I understand what you're saying. But this is mine, Pastor, okay? And I think oftentimes what we have is a line of people like show and tell, like little kids, like, oh, this is important to me. But they had all things in common. One pastor, Pastor Peter, says this, emotions are language of the soul. So emotionally unhealthy means there's something going on spiritually as well. And you know what's interesting? The Apostle Paul commands the church in Philippi this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Count others more significant than yourself. Count others more significant than yourself. And so listen, here's your application question. How am I growing healthy emotionally? And do you know how you do this? You live in community with people who say, hey, I think you're a little emotionally unhealthy. And listen, look up here, look up here. How do you respond to that? That's your gauge. I'm switching groups. It's ridiculous. Can you believe she said I was emotionally unhealthy? I'm not emotionally unhealthy, right? Yeah, you are, okay. (laughs) Calm down, all right? Because listen, what God, God uses people. God uses people. So we're sitting here praying, oh God, help me with, help me with these things in my heart and in my life, and you know what God's gonna do? He's gonna send you people. He's gonna send you people who love you and who love Christ and who love God's word, and they say, I am so emotionally broken myself, but here's what I've learned, and here's where I think that we can walk hand in hand in this journey together. Listen, for us to grow as a church, healthy growth, that growth comes from health, And then the last mark that I see is this, that they were growing healthy numerically. I mean, it's there twice in the passage. Look up in verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Well, I can't believe that they counted and took attendance. Didn't they just have faith? Well, here's the reason why. And it's actually probably 6,000 because the women and children weren't included into that. Every number has a name. And every name matters to God. Every name matters to God. And like this is something that I thought, becoming a young pastor, that I just assumed everyone wanted. That's not true. (laughs) There was one time as, as we began to sort of grow a little bit as a church, there was a family that I didn't see anymore, so I reached out to him, gave him a phone call, said, hey, been missing you. They were like, oh, we love, we love everything and stuff. It's just too many people. I said, I, I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit. It sounded like you said there was too many people. Yeah, it was just, I don't know, it just grew. <laughs> oh, 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 you, you wanted a club. Hey, listen, man, if... Praise be to God, love you. Popper Bluff is filled with fantastic churches. I know many, many pastors. I am so not trying to build our own ivory tower here in the kingdom of Westside. I could get hit by a swan's truck, okay, on the way out of here. And you know what? It's about Christ. That's the message of this, okay? But listen, for us as a church, every name matters to God. Every name. 
and I will not be satisfied until everyone in Butler County knows the good news of Jesus Christ and is involved in a local church. Doesn't have to be Westside. It can be any church. But listen, we will strive after every soul and every person created in the image and likeness of God because every human being bears worth. Every human being bears worth. And this is actually one of the most fascinating things when you look at the early church. That, listen, this is undisputed, that there has never been a movement in human history that has multiplied and had barriers in front of it like the growth of Christianity. So a book I would place before you is called The Rise of Christianity by Rodney Stark, who's a, social, um, a sociologist and who is actually a non-believer. He's not a Christian, but he just observes the evidence. And he goes, this is unbelievable. And here's the statistics. This is fascinating. So Jesus dies around 33 AD, death, burial, resurrection. You got Pentecost. You got all this stuff. About year 50 AD, roughly about 1,400 Christians in the Roman Empire where it's illegal. You get your door kicked in and you get crucified. That's about 0.0023% of the Roman population. Fast forward to 200 AD, there's roughly 217,000 believers, and now it's 0.36 the population of the Roman Empire. You fast forward to Constantine in 300 AD, you have 6 million, almost 300,000, 10%, and then in 350, you have the Roman Empire at 56% of the population profess not Caesar as Lord, not Caesar as Lord, but Christ as Lord. That is profound. Because when I be lifted up, when I be glorified, this growth, that is a byproduct of health. This, this will happen. So the marks for us at Westside as we strive together is to grow healthy theologically, relationally, spiritually, emotionally, and numerically. And you know what's interesting? The very last verse in closing, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. This is so great. Luke is the author of this, and he knew what he was doing when he wrote it. In the original language, the Lord added daily is imperfect. So here's how you read it. The Lord keeps adding to his church day by day. He keeps adding day by day. And may, by the grace of God, west side be a part of what was birthed in Acts chapter 2 and continue the work of the kingdom of God. So west side, let us stand to our feet. And in your bulletin, you have the Lord's Prayer that we will pray together as we come forward and as we participate in the worship of Jesus Christ. Westside, lift our voices out loud together and let us pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we see, we see, Jesus, that what you said is true. That you would build your church and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. We see the birth of it there in Acts 2. It's not perfect, 
but it's about Jesus. And the Lord keeps adding to his church. Yes, he does. God, I pray at Westside, God, I pray at Westside that we wouldn't be Robert Wadlow. That by the worldly standards, grow, grow. But rather, God, help. Jesus, what we're doing is we are begging and we are holding tightly to you. May we grow in our theological understanding. May we grow in our relationships. God, may we grow in our spirituality and in our disciplines and may you reveal yourself in a very real way to us. God, may more and more people be added each day to your kingdom. And may we grow in our emotions when a person who's loving comes to us and says, listen, I'm so worried about this in your life because I have that in my own life and I experience that own brokenness. And by the grace of God, I want to lead you in a different path other than what I went down. Holy Spirit, have your way with us as we come to the table and we receive the elements. Holy Spirit, have your way. We pray this all in the holy and the precious name of Christ. Amen. Would you come forward and partake in the elements today as you feel led?